in the Bible, David is called, King David, is called a man after God's own heart. And I guess I've never sat down at a desk with pencil and paper and a Bible and a concordance and just really sat down and studied why God God called David a man after his own heart. But but through the years, as I've listened and looked in the Bible, I would uh, just look for clues. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? And one of the reasons I think that he was is because David was a kind person. And... uh, Let's see. I think I'm supposed to be in Second Samuel. In Second Samuel 16, in verse five, it says, "Now when King David came to Behurim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemai, the son of Jera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came." And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and his left. And Shammai uh, said thus when he cursed, Come out! Come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue or worthless person. Uh, Then Abishai, the son of Zerari, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please, let me go over and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerari? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done that so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son, David's talking about Absalom, his son, See how my son, who came out from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamin, let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. And David says, It may be, that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. You know, if someone was doing this to the president, the secret service would be all over him and take him out. Uh, if, if someone was cursing us like that, especially if it was, they were cursing our wife or our children, we would probably do something about it. But David was a kind man. And he and uh, one of his uh, soldiers wanted to go over and just cut the guy's head off. And David said, there, there, just, just leave him alone. Let it be. And so David was a very kind man. Saul was continually trying to kill David. And on more than one occasion, David had Saul, where Saul would be asleep or something, and David had his weapon, and he could have just got up and whacked his head off. But David spared his life. There were a lot of people that were related to Saul or had served Saul that later when David came king, they were afraid of David. And David was kind to them. And David was a kind man, which I believe is one of the reasons He's called a man after God's own heart. That's what I want to talk about this morning is kindness. You know, we are called to be kind. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 12, Paul writes and he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, What does he mean by elect? By elect, he means that we are chosen by God. Peter says that we're his special people. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Not to put ourselves on a pedestal, but the people here this morning are not like the people out there. We're chosen. We're elect of God. And and Paul, Paul says, Therefore, as the elect, as the special people, as the chosen people of God, 
holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness. We're supposed to be different than what we were before. Uh, the Bible says that God is kind, and we're supposed to be like that. In uh, Psalms chapter 25 and verse 20, or 6, David says, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for so they have been from of old. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, talking about Jesus, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then in Matthew chapter 14, it says almost the same thing. In verse 14, it says, When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. God and Jesus are merciful or kind, and we too are supposed to be kind. Let's go back to uh, Colossians for a minute, chapter 3. We read in verse 12 where it says, Therefore, holy, uh, therefore, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness. But look in verse 3, or chapter, verse 1 of chapter 3. Paul says, If then you were raised with Christ, if you were baptized, if you became a Christian, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. We're supposed to have a change of attitude and have different goals. Instead of trying to get rich and uh, get ahead and have the biggest house and the biggest car, all of a sudden, we've got different goals. We're supposed to set our affections on things above. And so he tells us, look down in uh, verse 5. He says, therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He says in uh, verse 8, but now you must also put off all these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language. In verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another. But instead, in verse 12, we are supposed to be a kind people. God has called us to be kind. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 22, he says, What is desired in a man, or what is desired in a man, is kindness. God wants us to be kind. Don't you? Would you rather work for someone that's kind or would you rather work for someone that's always ranting and raving and yelling and getting on to you for the most trivial things? You want to be around a kind of person, don't you? What is desired in a man is kindness. When uh, Solomon wrote about a virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, he said, on her tongue is the law of kindness. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 23, when Paul's talking about the qualifications for an elder, he doesn't use the word kindness, but he does say that a bishop or an elder must be of good behavior, not violent, gentle, hospitable. A bishop also or an elder is supposed to be kind. So we are called to kindness. One of my favorite verses is in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Paul says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Tender-hearted is how we feel towards someone. Like Jesus looked out and had compassion. He felt sorry for the people. 
we too are supposed to have a tender heart. We're supposed to be easily touched by the problems and the, the sufferings of the people around us. And then when we have that kind of heart, Paul says, be kind to one another. So we're called to kindness. One of my friends told me, he said, I was at talking to him about this subject, he said, don't be yourself. Be someone a little kinder. What is, before we look at what kindness is, let's look at what kindness is not. A very striking verse, just one simple verse, is in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Of course, this is talking about before the birth of Jesus, talking about Joseph and his wife Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus. And Joseph didn't know any better at this time, but he thought basically what happened was that he was engaged to a good, uh, virtuous Jewish young woman, and now she's gone off and slept with someone, and she's pregnant. Now, according to the law, Joseph could divorce her. Well, he wasn't married yet, but he could be unengaged. He could put her away. But the Bible says he was a just man, and he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to make the public example. So what he was going to do was put her away secretly and not make it a big deal. Kindness is not humiliating people. It's not embarrassing people. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 20, one of the sins it lists is outbursts of wrath. Have you ever worked with someone that just get violently mad? That's not kindness. One of the funniest videos, you may have seen it on television, on one of the cop movies or something, is a highway patrolman. And it looks like he's an ex-Marine because he's got that hat just perfect, and stands straight, his chest is out. And he's looking in the car at a guy, and you can't see the guy in the car because it's the, the uh, camera from the patrol car. And this highway patrolman has just written this man in the car a ticket for some traffic violation. And this guy inside the car is ranting, raving, and screaming. Of course, I saw this on TV. Every other word was bleeped out. And this patrolman just stands there and takes it. And he, he, he's very nice. He keeps calling the guy, sir. And he writes the guy a ticket, and he hands it to him. And the guy says, I'm not going to pay that ticket. And he takes it, and he, he throws it out the window. And the highway patrolman says, sir, you need to get out and pick up this paper, or I'm going to have to cite you for littering. The guy slams open his door and gets out and picks up the paper and everything. And the highway patrolman never loses his calm. And I can tell you, if it was me, I'd have had the guy on the ground, had him handcuffed, and I'd be hauling him in. And I'm amazed that this guy, this highway patrolman, how calm and cool he was. Kindness is treating people nicely and not just blowing our stack and flying off the handle. Kindness is not embarrassing or humiliating people. It's not getting them into an argument and backing them into a corner where they come out fighting and defending themselves, and now you've got a big scene. First Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes to the Thessalonians. And he says in verse 2, But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in Christ. And a Christian should be bold, right? But if you notice, the same man that says he was bold in verse 7 says, 
But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. A person can be bold and say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done, but be kind while doing it. Colossians chapter 4, um, verse 6, I believe. says, let your speech be all, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Being kind is not humiliating people and embarrassing them and backing them in the corner and starting a big fight. Um, kindness is loving our enemy. In Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You have heard that it has been said, You shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And then Jesus asked a very pointed question here. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even tax collectors do the same? People, anybody is nice to people who are nice to them. Gang members that kill and deal drugs and shoot people they're nice to the people that are nice to them. The mafia is nice to people that are nice to them. So as a Christian, if we're nice to the people that are us, if we wait for the other person to say hello before we say hello, we're not doing anything different than the whole rest of the world. The acid test of Christianity is, is if we can be kind to the people who are cruel to us. And, and Jesus explains that when it rains, it rains on everybody. The sun rises and sets for everybody. And so he says in verse 48, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What he means by the word perfect doesn't mean sinless, but it means complete. God loves everybody. And we too should love everybody. We sh our love should be perfect. We should be kind to everybody. That's the acid test of Christianity is if we can be nice to the people who treat us cruelly. In Proverbs 24 and verse 17, it says, uh, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. What is the first thing that we like to do? You know, I lost my job because a guy took a disliking to me and made this plan to slowly but surely get me fired, even though I'd done nothing wrong. Now, if I heard today that he was killed in a car wreck, my instinct as a human being or if I heard he got fired, let's not be so mean. If I heard that he lost his job, oh, yes, he deserved that. Paul, or not Paul, Solomon warns. He's, uh, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 17, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be made glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displeased the Lord, and he turned away his wrath from him. God punishes somebody. If somebody gets what, what they've got coming to them, that's between them and God. We're not supposed to get excited and, and rejoice about that. 
James chapter 4 and verse 11. James says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? That's not our job. God will take care of that. We're supposed to love one another, to be kind, to love our enemies. I heard years ago from Zig Ziglar, he said, if you will treat people like they're hurting inside, you will be treating most people correctly. And everybody's got the problems they're going through with marriage or with their children or at school or work, finances. And if we'll treat people like they're hurting inside, if we'll be kind to them, we'll be treating most people correctly. Um, most of you know one of our daughters Elizabeth goes to church in Gunner she had twin girls um, five or six years ago maybe and three months later one of her, one of them died in her sleep she was living with us at the time and so of course it would it would have been bad any, no matter what but we were maybe a little closer since they were right there in our house and it really 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 upset all of us and Laura went to work a day or two later. She worked in a restaurant. And obviously her mind was not on work. She was very upset. And she wasn't doing a good job. She was distracted and she did something wrong or whatever. And her boss came up to her and was just yelling and just getting on to her. And she started crying. And he finally calmed down. He said, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? And she told him that her niece had just died the day before. And then her boss felt really terrible. And you and I have done stuff like that. Someone that we thought was an enemy and hell, bitterness and hardness in our heart. And then we find out how bad things are for them. Angie was on a trial one time. The only trial she's ever been was for capital murder. Or or on a jury. And the guy that uh, had murdered his ex-wife and two kids, two or three kids, had grown up in a just an awful, awful home. And during this trial, the prosecutor, not the, the defense, went to the mother's house and talked to her and tried to get the mother to show up at the trial and speak in her son's defense. And here's this young man up here that's going to be sent to death or to prison for the rest of his life, and his own mother will not even come and sit in the audience while he's being tried, much less to get up and say something in his defense. And you hear something like that, and you think, how in the world could he have turned out any better than what he turned out? And if we could see into the hearts of the people here this morning and the things that we've suffered in the past, you would say it is amazing that they turned out as well as they did. We as Christians are to be kind to each other and kind to our enemies and not judge. Someone asks the question, why do we feel that our love or our respect has to be earned? We say something like, you know, well, when they start being nice to me, I'll start being nice to them. 
We don't like our boss. And we talk about what a bad boss is. When he starts paying me what I'm worth, then I'll start putting out. I'll start working. Why do we feel that our love has to be earned? Our kindnesses have to be earned? Let me ask you a question. What did we do to earn God's love and His forgiveness? The Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God and Christ made the first move. And they call on us to be the light of the world. And usually when we talk about being the light of the world, uh, we talk about being a good example. But, you know, light makes things better. You're in a, in a, a strange room or you're out in, in the dark or something and you finally find a light switch or a flashlight, and what do you say? Oh, that's better. That's the way we as Christians are. When we walk into a room, people, whether it's our boss or family or co-workers, should get this feeling that things are better. I heard that there's two kinds of people in the world. The people that make things better when they walk into a room and the people that make things better when they walk out. We should be the kind that makes things better. I don't want to pity party or badmouth anyone, but when I was a kid... My dad wasn't a Christian, and when he came home, the first thing he started doing was fussing and griping about tools that got left out or why things weren't vacuumed or our toys or why our home. He just always came home and griped, and we didn't like for him to come home. But my mother made it a point when she came home to always be friendly and, and hug us and talk to us. And, and even if we spilled something in the kitchen, the kitchen was a mess, she didn't say anything about it. She waited. Christians are supposed to be the kind of people that make things better when they walk in. Being kind is not just something we do, but it's who we are. It's the, the things that we say, the things that we do, the actions that we do show what's inside us. I want to tell a story again. I've pro Probably some of you have heard it, but this was really a life-changing event for me. I worked in a hospital in Lubbock, University Medical Center, and I was nominated uh, in one employee of the month one year. And then what they do at the end of the year, they take all 12 employees of the month and the hospital votes and they vote on an employee of the year. And there was, our, I worked in maintenance, and housekeeping was just around the corner from us, and so I always saw these people. Of course, going all throughout the hospital, I would see the same people and got to know everyone. And there was this one Mexican or Mexican-American kid. He was fairly young, and he was really quiet. And I tried to be friendly in the hospital, be friendly to everybody, and uh, I tried to speak to everyone, the visitors and the patients and the people that worked there. And I would always walk by this guy, just like everyone else, and I would speak to him. I'd say, hey, how are you today, or something like this. And uh, he, he never, I don't think he ever looked up. He just looked down. He kept vacuuming or or whatever he's doing. He never said a word to me. And one day, I thought, that's it? He's not going to talk to me. He's not going to answer me when I talk to him. I'm not talking to him anymore. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, kind of like what we're talking about now. I said, you know what? I'm a Christian, and I'm supposed to be nice, no matter what anyone else does. So I kept being nice to this guy, even though he never said anything. He never said, hi. He never said, how are you? He never said, he never said, being. Like I said, this employee of the month, all the 
employees got a, a little ballot in their pay stub one week, and they were supposed to vote for the person they wanted to be employee of the week, year. And one day I was walking by this guy. I said, hi, how are you today? And he looked up and he said, I voted for you. All this time, I thought he was ignoring me. I thought he didn't appreciate the kindness I was showing him, but it was making a big difference. Kind is what we are inside. In Colossians, or Colossians 3, he said we are called to be kind. So what are some ways we can be kind? If you stop and think about it, I can't remember any place in the Bible where someone gave $3 million to a university and Jesus commended them. All the things I can remember in the Bible where Jesus commended someone were little things. Whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones of my name. The widow went in when they were giving their contributions there at the temple and she put in two mites, which is probably like two nickels. And Jesus commended her for this. In Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about the judgment, He said, Then the Son of Man will sit on the throne of His glory, and all nations will be gathered before them, and He shall separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And then He'll turn and say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed My Father, enter into the kingdom prepared for you. For I was sick, and you visited Me. I was hungry. You fed Me. I was thirsty. You gave Me a drink. I was in prison. You came and visited me when I didn't have a place to stay. You took me in. And they'll say, when did we do these things to you, Lord? And Jesus said, if you did these things to anybody, you did these things to me. Jesus doesn't say you volunteered 40 hours a week. You gave thousands and millions of dollars. You saved lives. Jesus said you did the little things. It's the little thing to count, the little acts of kindness. A woman named Alice Carey said this, True worth is in being, not seeming. In doing each day that goes by some little good. Not in dreaming of great things to do by and by. For whatever men may say in their blindness, in spite of the fancies of youth, there's nothing so kingly as kindness and nothing so royal that's true. We don't have to wait until one day we're Bill Gates and give millions of dollars. We can be kind today. You know, I talked about uh, uh, one of the things that Jesus mentioned. says, I was hungry and you fed me. We moved to Gunner from Lubbock in July 1995. And we got into town Saturday night in our moving van and I think a, a van full of kids and dogs about 11 o'clock at night. I started a new job on Monday. And Friday about noon, our son Robert, who was about eight at the time, ran into the side of a truck and was almost killed and was flown to Dallas. My in-laws came to work and got me said, Robert's been hurt. And they drove me to Dallas. And I remember Peggy Maple showed up. I think if I remember right, she showed up at the hospital. And she gave me $25 for baby food. And at the time I thought, that's nice, but I didn't 
I didn't know why. Let me tell you, driving an hour's drive, Angie twice a day, and me sometimes, and parking fees, and sitting there at the rest of the hospital room not having anything to eat, having to go down to cafeteria, not to mention the medical bills. It's when something like that happens. And apparently, and through that, I knew that because she gave me some money to help with gas and food and parking fees. Because, see, this lady, she had lost one son, and then she almost lost another son, and she almost lost a third son, and about a year later, she lost her husband. Little acts of kindness. I remember also that... Uh, so I guess since Gunner was such a small town, we didn't lock the door. And we would get home a lot of times, and uh, there would be food on the table, casserole dishes and stuff just sitting on the table full of food. And the kids come home from school, and we would all eat, wash the dishes, and a day or two later, the dishes would be gone. We never knew we did that. We had some ideas. A lot of us hurt people. But uh, the kindness is people show little things. James chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul, or James says, pure religion, or words, perfect religion. If you think, how, what is the best thing I can do as a Christian? How can I be the perfect Christian? Paul says, when you boil it all down, pure religion, undefiled before God, is this. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their trouble. Little things. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman, which means gazelle in two different languages, Aramaic and Greek. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to him. Then Peter arose and went with him. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with him. Little things that she did for other people. She did what she could do. There was a woman that went to church with us in Lubbock for a while. And she wasn't married. And her mother sure wanted to be a grandmother. But this woman wasn't married and didn't have any kids. And this woman took a liking, this grandmotherly woman took a liking to our kid. And she started making these afghans to bring to my kid. And that woman, I guess she knit them, I guess that's what she did. She must have knitted 90 miles an hour because she would bring this big afghan to church, you know, huge, almost cover, maybe cover a twin bed. And a, she'd give it to one of our kids, and a week or two later she'd bring another one. And a week or two later she'd bring, she must have been knitting 90 to nothing. Just little things. And I can't even remember her name. I don't know if I'd recognize her if I saw her today. I don't know if she's alive. But we remember her. The small things that she did. Romans chapter 12. Let's see here. Verse 3. Paul warns us. He says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
For we, as we have many members in one body, we've got feet and kneecaps and elbows and hands, eyes, ears. Oh, there's all of us that are all different, different members of this body. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, speaking in the name of the Lord, preaching, if if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy. Some of these things that he lists here are big things that take preparation, years of preparation, like maybe being an elder, being a leader. Other things are just ministering to people. Mercy, giving. I remember David Minson years ago in a lesson. You know, we say, man, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to give a million dollars a year to cancer research. If I'm ever rich or when I get that promotion, when I have my own company, I'm going to give money to the orphanages. I'm going to give more money to the church. And David asked a question. How much are you giving now? I think it was Wikipedia I saw the other day. They were asking for donations. And they said that the average donation is just $20. And yet, huge organizations like cancer research are run on $20 contributions. You know, we spend more than $20 a week in junk food and movies and gas just going places we don't need to go. What are we doing now? It's the little things that make the difference. I'll tell you another place we can be kind is at home. Just because we're stuck in the same house, just because we're married to someone, just because they're our kids and they can't leave, or just because we're stuck with our parents, does not mean we can be rude to them. James said, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. He said, these things ought not to be. Why would you come to church and talk to Dusty and Mike and Matt and be kind and smile and then go home and yell at your kids and grab or nag your husband? I think that God knew that that would be a problem with families. In uh, Colossians 3 and verse 19, he says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, when we get married, we have all these grand ideas about how marriage is going to be great and our wife is just the most wonderful woman in the world. And then we get married and we find out she's not the most wonderful woman in the world. She may not be the best housekeeper. She may not be the best cook. She may nag us. She may spend too much money. And all of a sudden, these little things get on our nerves. And it just ticks us off. And we don't say anything and we don't say anything and we just let it grow inside us. And just like a root that can... Uh, grow up in a crack in a sidewalk and get bigger and bigger until it cracks the sidewalk, that bitterness can get in us and we just get madder and madder and madder at our wife or husband, either way. And all of a sudden, we're not doing kind things. We're being mean. Brethren, that's the sin. If we would not come to church and yell at Matt and 
cuss at him and say nasty things to him, it's wrong for us to go home and talk to our wives that way. But we're supposed to be kind. How can you be kind to a wife? Unexpected kisses. No. Just stuck on the refrigerator or someplace you'll find it. Cards when it's not an anniversary or birthday. Compliments. Everybody likes to be complimented. Remember your boss coming up to your work and complimenting? Man, that just made my day. Admiration. You can admire her for the good things that she does, for the good qualities she has. Good manners. Just being polite to her. Being polite like you're polite to your coworkers and people you see. Helping dress the kids in the morning. Heard one time about a woman that <clears throat> took an armload of coats and she threw it. They were getting ready to go to church. She threw it and her husband said, Here. And he said, What are these for? She says, It's my turn to go out the car and honk the horn. <clears throat> Helping with the kids. Setting the table. Cleaning the table. Opening the door for her. Just listening when she wants to talk to somebody. Not condemning. One, uh, one of the things I learned through some uh, a book or something, video, is a lot of times women don't want a solution, they just want an ear. <laughs> I remember once or twice that I've asked Angie, I said, you want a solution or you just want me to listen? <laughs> so, <clears throat> so just listening. Taking the kids off her hands. You know, I did not realize we had four kids <clears throat> and then we adopted two more. I foolishly thought, well, we're already washing clothes and fixing meals. We'll just fix a little bit more or wash an extra load of clothes. When you get two extra kids, my goodness, that's a lot of extra work. We made chores. We came up with six chores, and they rotated. Melissa, our youngest at three years old, had a chore to do, because there was a lot to do with six kids. And I was at work, and Angie was a stay-at-home mom, and I did not realize how hard it is to raise kids. And so I became a fireman. And in order to get through help pay getting through fire academy, Angie took a job at the school so she could still be home weekends and summers and stuff. But there I was. I finally got to be a fireman, so I'd work one day and I was off two days. So there I'd be at work, or I'd be at home while Angie was at work. And uh, taking kids to soccer and basketball and running to school and they forgot the lunch money. And my goodness. I wish I could have experienced that when our kids were little rather than when they were teenagers. It is a chore raising kids. If you can help the kids in any way, your wife will love and adore you. Just little acts of kindness. Uh, I don't remember if it's Colossians or Ephesians. It talks to the words about fathers not provoking their children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. I'd come home, when one of the kids would get in trouble, they would uh, not do their chore, maybe go out and not be back in by curfew or whatever. And I would get furious. And I would start yelling at my kids. And I would say, you knew you were supposed to be in by 11. What's the problem? We've had this discussion before. What were you out doing at 1130 now? Why can you not just be home? And Angie would talk to me later. Say, Danny, you don't have to be so hard on the kids. And I say, Well, what am I supposed to do? Oh, yeah, stay out all night. I don't care. They were out past 11, weren't they? Did we not tell them to be in at 11 o'clock? What's the problem? Do you want me to just let them do whatever they want to? Well, what's she going to say? She's going to say, No, we can't let them do whatever they want. 
Years later, I'd heard about this book, and I found it, I think, at Half Price Book, called Don't Sweat the Little Stuff, or Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. And in this book, this guy takes just different topics, like, you know, when I talk about the kids or driving, you know, getting mad at someone who cut you off, or work, finances. And he explains that while a lot of these things are important, it's not the end of the world. And that's what Angie had been trying to tell me all these years. You can still discipline the kids. You can correct them when they need it. But you don't have to be a tyrant to do that. Remember I talked about the, the highway patrolman, that even though he was getting verbally abused, he kept his cool. Have you ever been stopped by a policeman that was rude to you or gave you a ticket that you didn't deserve? Boy, that makes you mad. Which person would you like to deal with? The guy that's calm and respectful or the guy that's rude to you? As a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a boss, we can take care of the problems that need to be taken care of and still be nice about it. We're called to be kind. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8 says, Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Did you know that Christians are commanded to be courteous? Your mom taught you to say, Yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, please, I'm sorry, excuse me. Did you know that was a command from God to be that way? Just be nice to the people around you. Be tender-hearted. Danielle, some of the first words that she taught Adelaide were please. Even before Adelaide was really talking, Danielle taught her sign language for please. And I guarantee you, a little 18-month-old kid or 2-year-old looks up at you and signs the word for please, you'll give her just about anything you want. As uh, I think it was Angie's nephew told me, she says, Why, sure, honey. You can have this stick of dynamite, and if you'll say thank you, I'll give you the match. <laughs> you know, that's true no matter how old you are. John manages people. I think she really appreciates the people that are polite. We can be kind just by being polite. Kindness starts at home. I told Angie the day or two ago, I said, uh, I really, really admire Jesse McCorkle for doing this shoebox thing for India. And Angie said, well, she's got a good mom. It starts at home. While I'm talking about the McCorkle, I'll tell you one other story. He's talking about Robert being in the hospital. After about, I can't remember, two or three or four weeks, Robert had this runny nose. Just constant. And I said, I said, I don't think that's not. Well, sure enough, they found out there was a crack back in his head. He hit, he hit the side of a truck with his head, you know, on his bicycle. Hit the side of the truck with his head, so he had brain damage and stuff. Well, he had some broken bones back there behind his face, and the cerebral spinal fluid was leaking out his nose. And they had to go in and do surgery. If you ever see Robert, and his hair is wet or short, you can see a scar right here where they peeled his face forward and went in and fixed that. And Angie sat there by herself. My boss wouldn't let me off work. Angie sat by there by herself for hours while they were doing that surgery. And Mike McCorkle was the only person that sat with Little acts of kindness like that. I'll tell you something else. One of the, uh, I think it was the fire chief's wife there in Gunner, set up a fund where people could donate to help us out. And they got about $4,000. And 
And there was one ranch there, the five-star ranch, that sent a check to us for $1,000. Because what the bank would do, they would make a deposit, but they would copy all these checks and send us a copy so we knew who was donating and stuff. There was one family there the week before we moved to Gunner. Their teenage daughter was on a four-wheeler and was hit by a car and killed. And they sent us a check even while they were grieving their own daughter. I remember another one, uh, a late, an old lady, and her, the guy that mowed her lawn had agreed that one week he would mow the lawn for free and she could send the money that she would normally give to him, send it into us. But Angie says the check that she remembers the most was from a widow lady. I assume she's, she was an older lady because her handwriting was real shaky on the check. And she sent us a check for $3. And he said she sat down and cried. So we don't have to wait until we're a Bill Gates who can do great, great things. We can be kind to people right now in just a little way. It's our duty to make the world a better place. Emily Dickinson wrote, if I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life to aching, or cool one pain, or help one fainting robin to its nest again, I shall not live in vain. If you can be a kind person, God will reward you for it. We need to resolve to be the kind of person God wants to stand with them.